Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly show about the Apple Swift programming language and other Swift.org projects. My name's JP. And I'm Jesse. Uh, and today we'd like to start off by thanking our sponsor, uh, Bitrise. Uh, they are a mobile continuous integration and delivery system for your whole team uh, with dozens of integrations for your favorite services. Uh, they've been working on a lot of new features uh, to build, test, and deploy, including automatic platform detection, virtual device testing, um, and they're also hiring. Um, you can check them out at bitrise.io uh, for more details. Um, for iOS specific stuff, uh, they have automatic provision provisioning uh, profile management um, and 60% uh, faster builds with uh, using some Xcode caching features. Uh, again, you can check them out at bitrise.io. Today, we'd love to talk about a new, a new proposal that was recently accepted. Uh, we're talking, of course, about SE206 hashable enhancements. That's very exciting stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, continuing to build on uh, some of the things uh, that we've seen um, regarding Hashable uh, previously with the automatic synthesis um, and the adoption of uh, better hashing uh, implementations. Right, and also recent changes like uh, randomizing the hash values um, by randomizing the seed across uh, different invocations of a process. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of work in this space, uh, and this also kind of ties into the random number unification uh, APIs and uh, and implementations that we talked about last week. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite way to implement hash value is with a random number. <laughs> right? Yeah. I thought you'd just like to return zero. Yeah, but then Carolee was like, you know, that's not so great all the time. Eventually it kind of uh, starts to get slow. And so then at that point, I just start using random numbers instead. Right. Well, if you start using random numbers all the time, then it can be slow from the very beginning. And then you have consistent <laughs> performance across the size. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Swift performance tips brought to you by Jesse. <laughs> so what is uh, being improved with uh, this proposal? Right. Well, um, this is essentially replacing the existing hash value member of yep. Hashable, which uh, simply returns an int with um, a more uh, flexible hashing approach that uh, uh, passes this hasher around. Hasher is this new type uh, that will be provided by the standard library and um, can provide uh incremental um, combination of different members, different inputs to the hashing algorithm uh, using the SIP hash 1.3 algorithm that uh, we've discussed previously as well. Uh, so this should allow for uh, fewer um, collisions, better distribution of hashes, uh, and uh, this would also allow for, um, well, actually, a, a lot of this uh, is 
made even better by the fact that um, with hashable automatic synthesis as of Swift 4.1, um, a lot of folks will never even need to worry about this. Uh, they won't need to worry about hash value being deprecated, this new hash into function uh, being added as a requirement to hashable because as long as all of your type's members are hashable, uh, as long as you conform to the hashable protocol, you gain this new hashable enhancements uh, just automatically. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, super convenient. Um, that you may not even have to worry about this. So once you've upgraded to Swift 4.1, you should try to remove all custom hashable implementations if you can. Um, and then that'll make this transition much smoother for you. Right, except if you know exactly what you're doing and have a great understanding of um, the okay. the collision space for hash functions um, and you have very good reason to deviate from what the standard library and the SIP hash 1.3 algorithm would do for you, uh, which is basically like very few people, certainly not me, um, uh, you know, unless unless you want that full control and you have very good reason, just just rely on the existing hashable autosynthesis. Yeah. So basically, unless you are one of the authors of this proposal, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Uh, I think everyone is familiar with the very common, somewhat standard boilerplate of just exclusive or all of the members of your type and return that, essentially. Yeah, all of their hash values, just XOR all of them. Right. Uh, although, uh, in the example here, uh, they point out that uh, this can be uh, problematic and um, actually like easily produce... Um, uh, collisions depending on what you do. Um, there's like uh, a different example here um, where you're doing slightly more than just exclusive or in the hash values of the members. But uh, it's interesting that, yeah, certain approaches here can uh, pretty trivially produce the same hash value. Right. So you just get lots of collisions if you don't know what you're doing. And if you accidentally use the wrong prime to uh, go and convert this XOR between all of your hash values for your members, then you'll get a drastically different distribution of the uh, hash value um, values across all of the different inputs for your type. Right. So if you're not familiar like what the implications are for you, the user, um, the more collisions you have, uh, the slower this hashed collection is going to be. So normally, uh, you know, you think of dictionary as being very fast to look up the elements. Um, but with all these collisions, that very quickly becomes extremely slow, uh, which can have a major impact on performance. So the solution here that's being proposed is to have this uh, new hasher struct, which would be public. It would be uh, visible to um, to consumers and folks who want to write their own uh, uh, hash into implementation. And so this hasher would have um, it, it would basically be an opaque um, uh, holder for. Uh, or combiner, I guess, that would take in all the different inputs um, and and pipe that through the SIP hash 1.3 algorithm. Um, there was uh, initially um, 
a proposal to have an initializer where you could seed the hasher. But uh, ultimately, as of the um, acceptance posts revision notes, Jordan Rose notes that uh, this initializer's behavior could be misleading if folks expect it to um, provide deterministic hashing. And since uh, there's no real benefit to external consumers to actually provide a different seed, given that we're already getting um, randomized seed values in, in this hashable implementation. Uh, the recommendation in the acceptance post was just to remove the initializer so that you, you don't have that level of control, which, um, w as Jordan mentioned, was kind of misleading because it didn't really give you a whole lot of control. Right. Uh, is there any discussion on how those initial seeds are generated? Uh, yeah, I think there was um, a lot of conversation about that when when that came in Swift 4.1, okay. the randomized hashing. I think that's 4.1, if not you know, very shortly after. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that would use the, uh, eventually use the uh, unified random APIs um, in the future? Uh, perhaps, yeah. yeah. Uh, at least the implementation, if not you know the Swift API. Mm -hmm. uh, there could definitely be you know, good good reasons for doing that. Yeah, and otherwise, uh, the API surface area is really quite small because um, uh, there now that Swift is gaining uh, the ability to inline code from non-public um, declarations. Those can can be alighted from the public API. So, for example. Uh, the initial the initial proposal suggested having um, uh, an extension on Hasher for all of the uh, various um, bit widths for integer fixed width integer types. So you'd have combined bits int, uint, int64, etc. Uh, but ultimately, what we really care about isn't necessarily to to implement this, but rather to use um, the hash into uh, method on hashable types, which hash into a hasher. And then uh, since we want to inline this for obvious performance reasons, um, it can call into specialized uh, combine um, internal methods that are on the, that are all on these um, fixed with integer types. And so the surface area just ends up being a hasher initializer, which you would very rarely do because you're hashing into some an existing hasher, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, hash into, um, which also you most of the time wouldn't use because you're leveraging automatic synthesis of hashable. And then finally, you'd be able to finalize a hasher, which would actually compute the hash, because um, otherwise, just hash into would just basically collect the inputs mm -hmm. and not perform the hash just yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. So um, if you implement hash into yourself, what would that look like? If you're implementing it yourself, uh, you don't need to initialize a hasher because hash into already passes you an in-out hasher. Mm -hmm. And you would uh, effectively call um, combine uh, on the hasher. So combine is is a member uh, function on hasher that takes in a hashable type mm -hmm. and it adds it as part of the inputs to the SIP hash algorithm. Yeah, so much simpler. 
and pretty straightforward too. Yeah, and then, sorry, there's one more aspect. If you're implementing hash value yourself, you don't want to return hasher.finalize. Um, uh, but this is, right, so if you're implementing hash value, you're not getting a hasher, right? You only get the hasher for hash into. Right. So you'd create your own hasher, uh, which is a struct. So in order to mutate it, you have to make that a var, call combine on all the members that you care for, and then return the finalized result out of the hasher, which is an int. Right. Uh, and this brings up uh, some performance concerns, actually, because if you are implementing this for multiple types and like their subtypes, then you could end up with uh, having multiple calls to uh, hasher.finalize, which can be expensive. So it's actually more valuable or, well, it's better to... Uh, not implement hash value if you can afford to not do that. Absolutely. Yeah, let the compiler do the heavy lifting. There's some smart people working on this and uh, they've probably thought about this a lot more than you have if you're 99.9% of people listening to this. Right. And to the remaining 0.1, well then why are you listening to this? <laughs> right. Yeah, so when you uh, when you implement this new hash into and just call combine, then behind the scenes hasher can just combine uh, all of those values and call finalize once at the end rather than having this call to finalize happen multiple times. Now, I wonder how this um, caches the uh, hashed result, right? Because um, there's some computation involved for this hashing algorithm. And so if you repeatedly call, uh, try to get the hash value out of something, um, or if collections do that, then how are they caching uh, the, the hashed result, the hash value that's resulting here? Right, because you're bringing that up because you can only call finalize once. You can only call finalize once. Yeah. Uh, so that's one part of it. And then you'll assert or something like that, right? Yeah, it's, it invalidates the hasher. Yeah. Um, but even if it didn't invalidate it, just re-performing the hash over and over again is obviously wasteful. Mm -hmm. So mm. Um, I wonder if the the caching only really happens on the collection side. So the collection is responsible for maintaining the hash values of its members. Yeah. But then um, it can't really know if, like, for example, you have reference types uh, in your collection. You know, if you're invalidating its hash value, it doesn't know. Uh, it, that can't permeate back up to the collection. Mm -hmm. The collection is just, uh, you know, holding a pointer to that reference, essentially. It, it can't know. Uh, that it has to invalidate the the cached hash value. So maybe it just computes it every time. Maybe there is no caching. Yeah, I don't see anything mentioned here necessarily. Yeah, if the authors um, or folks who are familiar with the implementation here can, can chime in uh, on Spectrum or on Twitter, uh, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, so this also means that uh, the previous hash value member on the Hashable protocol is now deprecated. Uh, or will be deprecated. And it looks like the intent is to get these changes into Swift 4.2. Uh, so you'll see deprecation warnings. Um, and if you can, um, just removing your custom implementation of Hashable um, would be good, but otherwise um, converting it to use uh, the new hash into method would be preferred rather than using 
uh, the old hash value, which then I presume would be removed in Swift 5, uh, but I don't think it specifies here. Yeah, it doesn't. So far, I haven't seen a stance on how long things will be kept around as deprecated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I mean, previously, things are usually deprecated and then removed in the next release uh, with other major changes, but maybe that's going to change with Swift 5. Well, it seems especially important for Swift 5 where uh, ABI compatibility uh, is a must, right? So Mm -hmm. um, you can't, once once you deprecate something um, in Swift 5, then you need to keep it around for as long as you want the ABI to be um, uh, stable from Mm -hmm. that point on, right? So this is especially important if um, hash value is deprecated in 4.2, then I can't imagine them keeping anything around in Swift 5.0 that was previously deprecated because that means they have to keep it around for 6.0, 7.0, et cetera. Right, right. Uh, And given that uh, as we record this on April 19th, the final branching of the Swift 4.2 branch is tomorrow. Mm. And uh, this change hasn't yet landed in master, the deprecation of hash value. Uh, I'm really curious how they'll deal with this. Um, So the the branching strategy or the release process rather for Swift 4.2 on the Swift.org blog states that um, April 20th is the final branching for the Swift 4.2 branch. And uh, after this, after this date, there'll be a bait period in which only select critical fixes will go into the release. And so I can't imagine that this, um, the all of these hashable improvements are you know, considered uh, critical fixes. Um, so I don't know if uh, you know the implementation is going to be wrapped up in the next 24 hours. And um, yeah. And, you know, all, all this is going to land for 4.2 or if they'll make an exception uh, for this since there's deprecation implications. I'm curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, looks like, uh, yeah, Ted is the overall release manager. And then uh, Ben Cohen is the release manager for the standard library. So I guess it's at their discretion. Right. I, you know, I could imagine that, you know, if this is important enough and it seems like it is, than uh, you know, delaying the the final branching for four point two by like a day is probably not all that bad. Sure, I don't know. it depends how long this will take to to land. I'm mm-hmm. really curious. Yeah, so I think that's all we have for today. Um, thanks again to Bitrise for sponsoring this episode. You can find them at bitrise.io. You can find the show on Twitter at Swift underscore Unwrapped, and you can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. You can find me at SimJP on Twitter, and as always, if you enjoy listening to the show, please do leave a review on iTunes, and join us for the conversation at Spectrum.chat. Thanks for listening.